Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. down to dunk and I'm down to dunk I'm down to dunk this is J-Dub and I'm down to dunk I'm Shea Gilders Alexander and I'm down to dunk this is Lindy Waters and I'm down to dunk I'm Mike Muscala and I'm down to dunk this is Jay Will and I'm down to dunk this is Kenneth Williams and I'm down to dunk this is Lou Dort and I'm down to dunk we say this is Lou Dort and I'm down to Dort. Yeah. <laughs> this is Lou Dort and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me today, it's nobody. It's just me. I am going to answer as many questions as I can for you guys today. Hope everybody's doing well on this Monday. It's August 28th. There's the FIBA... World Cup going on, which has actually been pretty fun to catch up on. The uh, man, that game uh, with Australia yesterday, one it was kind of a bummer. They lose to Germany in kind of heartbreaking fashion, but uh, kind of wild down the stretch and some really like really great moments for Josh Giddy and some n- not so great moments. One of them involved like him just not being able to get back on the court, which is kind of weird, but. Uh, that was super fun. It's fun watching Shay just absolutely dismantle the world and just look like one of the best guys out there. Uh, is that's been super fun. And then uh, Team USA just dominating this morning. So that's been it's been fun so far. Uh, I'm going to try to answer as many of these questions as possible today. Thanks for joining. If you have questions in the chat, let me know. Um, oh, Miguel Davela is on his way home from the FIBA game. Man, I bet that's awesome. I bet that's so much fun. That's so cool. Uh, thank you guys for joining. If you are listening on YouTube, welcome. And if you are not subscribed to our YouTube channel, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you just search down to dunk, hit subscribe. You can even hit the bell and you can get updates on when we are going live. So let's start with my guy at 405 fan. He says Poku has gone from 43% to 48.5% to 52% true shooting wise. Uh, he is a good rim protector and a good passer and shot 36.5% from three last year. He's only about 10 months older than Josh Giddy. I feel like some people are giving up on Poku too soon. I think he and Jay Will should split backup center minutes this year. So this is not a question. This is just an opinion of his. And, I mean, I've been pretty vocal about how I feel about Poku. I would love for him to be a part of what the Thunder are doing. I think he does fit stylistically the way that they want to play. I think that he shares the ball well. I think that he can handle well enough. He's probably, I mean, he's good at a lot of things. I don't know that he's great at any one thing. And 
that might be something that kind of hurts him. Now, if his shooting can get better, and I have seen some video, I think I mentioned this on the pod, I have seen some video of his shooting form, and it does look better. And if he can just get stronger and shoot the ball better, which, like Sportsman 405 has said, his shooting has improved quite a bit. And if he can continue to get better and get stronger, I think he could probably be a rotation player. Because I think he can play the four and the five, which is good because he's versatile. I do think there's a chance he could play some three in certain backup lineups. So that versatility, I don't, I don't know if there's any extension talks at all going on with him. But I do think that he is going to be an interesting piece that I don't think many are considering. So I'm glad you brought him up. It's always good to start the pod with a little bit of Poku talk. Uh, okay, from... At Alex underscore Bullerjack, my good friend Alex, asks, can you brand our projected starting five as brands of cereal and tell us your thought process, please? Sure, I can do this. Okay, so Shay, Dort, Giddy, J-Dub, Chet. So first, Shay, obviously the Cinnamon Toast Crunch of the starting lineup, the best consistently the best even though it's a little ironic because Shea himself does not like cinnamon and does not like cinnamon toast crunch but he would be the cinnamon toast crunch okay next Lou Dort I'd I would give Lou Dort classic Cheerios okay always there always kind of doing the same thing but maybe underappreciated and maybe also not that great by themselves, like Cheerios, maybe not that great by himself. But if he's there to accentuate, and you can accentuate Cheerios with whatever you like, maybe uh, some fresh blueberries, maybe some raspberries, maybe a banana cut up into round banana circles onto your cereal. Maybe that's maybe that's it. So underappreciated, uh, always there, kind of doing the same stuff. And, you know... Maybe some maybe maybe you just don't like Cheerios. Maybe that's just not your thing. Maybe Michele hates Cheerios. But anyways, maybe not great on his own, but good at accentuating what the team does. Uh, okay, Josh Giddy. Frosted mini wheats. Now hear me out. Uh, a great cereal, great dry or with milk. Um, great in many situations. Also like delicious on one side, and then arguably terrible on the other side. So it's got some room for improvement there. But overall, still very good, very solid. Maybe you don't want too much of the sweet. I don't know. But I do. I would put Giddy as Frosted Mini Wheats. Great, versatile cereal. Snackable, right? You know, not just like a bowl of cereal, but snackable. I don't even know what that means. Anyways, uh, J-Dub. I'm going to go Honey Nut Checks. With J Dub, uh, really good, probably underrated cereal. In my opinion, the best of the Honey Nut category is Honey Nut Checks, and you know some people don't realize that because they haven't really had Honey Nut Checks. But I think people are going to figure that out. Uh, but Elephant King says maybe getting needs to be Wheat Bix. Yeah, Wheat Bix is basically giant frosted mini wheats, but I don't think they're frosted. I think it's just like a big, like they're huge. If you're on YouTube, you can see my hands making the size of the wheat bix. They're huge. Uh, I never had it. I guess you can have mi the minis as well. But I don't think they're frosted, which I think is kind of key. 
Um, anyways, J-Dub, uh, Honey Nut Checks, and then Chet, I think, is Reese's Puffs. Because I would say, Chatamus, get out of here. Honey Nut Checks, go go eat them. See, you still need, you don't know. Go go eat them. They're they're unbelievable. Um, Chet is Reese's Puffs because part of you is like, what what is Reese's doing in, with in cereal? What is this tall, lanky guy doing in doing in the NBA? He's too skinny. Reese's Puffs, it's too candy. I don't know. It's great. It's so so good, and probably the second best cereal in the world. And I think Chet will be the second best player on the Thunder. So there we go. Uh, okay. Next question. Sorry, I just put you guys through that. Um, at Peter Man three three, my good buddy Peter, he says, "Which young player from the first era of the Thunder that struggled or didn't get a great opportunity would have the most success in the current Thunder era?" So, I think of a there's a there's a lot of young players in the first era that I think could thrive. I mean. Obviously, like a guy like Eric Maynard would have been awesome in this system with Mark, and I think really could have thrived. And also, one of the reasons that he didn't thrive is because he got hurt. And so, um, so that's a pro. That's that's a problem there. But I, but I really think the guy that would have thrived with this era of the Thunder that didn't quite do that is definitely Alex Abrinas. I mean, Abrinas would have been like basically the Isaiah Joe, but he's bigger than Isaiah Joe, and I think he's got a little bit more skill with the basketball in his hands than Isaiah Joe does. Uh, he's definitely a lot, quite a bit older. Like, I think Abrinas is already thirty. Yeah, he's already thirty. So just turned thirty, August first. Happy birthday, Alex Abrinas. Uh, but I think that he could have done really well. And, you know, never in his rookie season averaged six points per game. You know, 38% from three on 3.6 attempts. I think that a lot of it was they just needed to get him more attempts. But then in his final season, you know, he didn't really play 31 games. And, you know, it was not a great ending there. But really great shooter. And I think just any kind of shooter would really thrive here. And so just having a 6-6 shooting guard like that, I think, would have been amazing. I think he would have. Just absolutely thrived. Uh, at Benelephant King, does Harden in L.A. hurt or help the Thunder? I mean, I I I think it helps. I think it would help. I mean, everywhere Harden's going, things are just falling apart. You know, and some of that may not all be his fault, but also it's all still happening. <laughs> all around him and the thunder have these unprotected picks coming up and if you could make this whole thing fall apart a little bit faster great do it so i wouldn't be afraid of what they would do this year at all but there's a chance that it all falls apart i mean it would be such an interesting team to watch with harden and pg and Kawhi and Westbrook all on the same team would be really interesting. Um, so yeah, I, that's I would say yes. Like bring it on, <laughs> bring it on. I think it would make the end near because also they're gonna have to trade a lot of role players. And really, what like Kawhi and PG and Russ need around them is like, is role players, and they'd be trading all their role players to get Harden. 
And also, like we know, if Harden's on your team in the playoffs, you're definitely not going the distance. So, yeah, let's go ahead and do that. Uh, let's see. What have been the – this is a, from at C Austin 97 or Costin 97. I don't know which. Uh, what have been the best player nicknames through Thunder history? Uh, there's not a lot of like great Thunder nicknames through history. So like Stone Cold Steven Adams is definitely one of the better nicknames. Um, you have he and Cantor were the Stash Bros. Uh, Westbrook is the Brody. You know, you have like the KDs and the PGs and, you know, Mello and all those guys. You know, SGA, the Dorcher Chamber is like a great one for Dort. Um, if you have any more in the chat, let me know. Yeah, Tyler Nevin's Stash Bros, that's a pretty good one. Uh, Miguel Davila says Amo was his favorite, sure. Um, Serge Ablaka, yeah. Uh, I'm kind of partial to Nervous Westbrook guy who was at Media Day 2016, I think. And was so nervous that he started to ask Russell Westbrook a question, and then he just, like, in the microphone says, I, I'm too nervous. I've got to pass the microphone. And it's on YouTube. It's great. It's hilarious. So search for nervous. I don't know if it, you can search nervous Westbrook guy. Um, but, yeah. Uh, can't play Cantor, which is what Billy Donovan called Ennis Cantor. I'm just kidding. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's, some, there's some out there. Yeah, I mean, there's like the whole Himothy Chalamet stuff, Cole Stephan says. <laughs> yeah. Um, Dur- Durant, you know, Durantulas, Matt Noonan says. Yeah, I mean, that one never really got off the ground, I don't think. I mean, he's just always KD, you know, and then he tried to make his nickname the Servant. <laughs> oh, man, it did, then it was just too easy to go to the Serpent. But yeah, there's some there's some decent ones through the years. Nothing nothing just outstanding, but some pretty good ones. Let's see. Uh, at Flash Gordon seven thirty seven, if they were cloned, so the original form stays on their current team, could this FIBA team win a NBA championship? I mean, they would be really good, certainly, and they have unprecedented depth. <laughs> For any team. But I still think in order to win the title, you have to have a player that reaches like top five in the NBA status. And I don't think they have that, at least for today. Now, maybe these clones, maybe there's some like aging process you could bake in there where Anthony Edwards can get to like age 27 quicker. And then, like, could he be there? Like, sure. I think that's totally, totally possible um, that he could get there. But I would say no. Like, I don't think there's any player even close to Jokic on this team. I don't think there's anybody close to Giannis on this team. Even Tatum, I think, is a lot better than the guys that are on this team. And it just takes, like, that high, high, high-end talent to beat those guys. So I would say no, that they would not, especially this year. Now, down the road, could some of those guys turn into the super-duper star? Sure. But as it stands today, I would say no. Uh, let's see. At Trace Tom, 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 Tom. Uh, is flipping Bertans and Oladipo for Ben Simmons worth it? So we have a big expiring to trade with next offseason. Boy, the uh, the Nets are really going to have to incentivize the Thunder to do something like that. That's what I have to say. 
because that is a, a huge weight taken off of the Nets to give them those two guys, and they could shed money. I am not totally convinced that the Thunder, you know, are gonna need a big expiring contract to trade next summer. I think it might be nice to to flip those and you know get you could get a bigger expiring contract, sure. But Ben Simmons. I mean, if you still have some belief in your heart for Ben Simmons, you know, good on you. That's not me, though. I would not do that unless you could get, like, some Suns unprotected picks. You know, Matt Noonan says, Ben Simmons, two first and three seconds for Bertans and Oladipo. I I might be in on that, sure. But are the Nets really going to do that? I don't know the Nets are really going to do that. So, and I mean, the Nets have some juicy picks. You know, Phoenix, and they've got some from the Sixers. So there's, like, some interesting stuff they could do. But if you're the Nets, you might as well just hang on. You know, unless there's, some, like, ownership says, like, you just have to get him out of here just so that we don't have any memories of that, of him. And, you know, if, he, it's, if it's the Thunder, you probably just say, cool, yeah, we'll take him. Hey, Ben, go ahead and stay home. Don't worry about it. Do your thing. Um, okay. Let's see. At maximum underscore clout, as Thunder slash media seem to be so obsessed with who are we keeping and who are we cutting, what's the likelihood that we just sign someone who gets cut late in training camp like Isaiah Joe? And how pissed do you think Thunder fans would be? I mean, I don't I don't think anybody's getting upset. I mean, I'm not terribly obsessed with this. I'm trying to not talk about it as much as I can just because I do think that the likelihood, one, like the likelihood of them signing somebody else that really matters like Isaiah Joe did is really, really small, really, really minuscule, like probably not going to happen. But is there a world where somebody that the Thunder really like gets cut and they could pick them up? Yeah, that's possible, and there's going to be wiggle room there. Like we can't sit back here and act like Victor Oladipo or Jeremiah Robinson Earl or any of these guys are just like so key or even Trey Mann. Like these guys are just so key to what the Thunder do. We can't let them go. Like that's just not the case. It's not. And so if there's an opportunity to bring somebody else in that they really like, sure. I mean, I would say that Jack White is going to have a chance to make the team. You know, I think a lot of people make him as like one of the easy cuts, and that may be the case. But we just don't know. And if we claim that we know, then that's kind of a problem. <laughs> because like we just don't know. We really just don't. And so I would say that maximum clout, what you're saying, is certainly a possibility. It is certainly a possibility that they decide to cut other guys. And I, I don't know how mad anybody would be. At least I haven't talked to anybody that would be mad about it. Uh, let me know. Let us know in the chat. Would you be mad? Would you be, would you be pissed about this? Uh, I certainly would not. Um, at Alaskan Strummer, I'm not from Oklahoma, so I'm curious. Does Oklahoma love Zach Bryan as much as Zach Bryan loves Oklahoma? This is a bubble that I'm not a part of, and I don't know the answer. But, sure. Uh, Ali... Kara, oh my gosh, I should know how to read this, Ben Glover. 
Ala Karamazov. I don't know. I'm sorry, man. This is that's obviously not how you say that. Uh, the Thunder prioritized their own, as evidenced by keeping Jeremiah over Garuba. First of all, like we don't know that they did that. We don't know that they did that. Jeremiah could still be gone. But I understand what you're saying, that they kept him for camp or whatever. Um, they also have like probably a lot of info on Garuba. So uh, Chathamus says that the Oklahoma women love Zach Bryan. Okay, that's good to know. Uh, yet they appear to be keeping Oladipo's contract around for a potential trade. Uh, why the two orders? If OKC loves their guys, then there would be no need to keep a $9 million contract to salary match. I mean, I think that they really like their guys. Does that mean that they're going to keep all of them? I don't think so. I mean, you can't. <laughs> you can't keep all, all the guys, you know? But I, I don't think... From what I understand, I don't think that there was really going to be a chance that that Garuba or Tai Tai were really going to make the team, like in general. And so I would not. I don't. I don't know. This is like getting too in the weeds on a topic that, like, there's there's no need for weeds there. Like, this is not even like just just chop it down. Don't worry about it. Like, don't get in the weeds there on this. What's going to happen is going to happen, and it likely will have a very small impact on what happens to this team. Like where the impact is going to be had are guys that we're not even considering to be cut or to be traded or whatever. So I just I just wouldn't even worry about it. If they can find a deal for Oladipo, it means that they're going to find value, which is great. But I would not stress like what's going to happen with these guys at the end of the roster. Either they're going to get waived or they're going to find some kind of value. So I would just wouldn't stress it. And it's, I, I think they like their guys, yes. But also, they just, I don't think that they had a true spot for Garuba or Tai Tai. Like Tai Tai, I think, was always going to get cut. Garuba, I had questions about, but I think like the more that I talk to people about Garuba, the more I begin to understand that teams just don't think he had an off a future as an offensive player in this NBA. And maybe you agree with that, or maybe you disagree with that. I think that that's where the NBA teams are. Obviously, Thunder Twitter and Draft Twitter are in a different place there. And I just think that there is a, a pretty big chasm between what the NBA teams think, and what draft Twitter thinks about Usman Garuba. So, I think that exists. So, but yeah, I wouldn't stress it. Wouldn't stress it at all. I got my guy Billy Martin in the chat saying that we need answers. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining, Billy. Um, we'll have our answers soon enough, and we'll be two weeks into the season, we'll forget that we even thought about those things. <laughs> things um at evans tanya 86 josh has struggled a little playing for team australia are you concerned is this a josh issue or a team australia issue we do lack spacing and have no bigs he with efficiency has struggled some i've seen that and but there's also been some like really really good things offensively that he's been able to do as well we just have to like stop and remember that Josh is 20 years old and playing in a tournament like this, that's this competitive with so many guys that just 
not only are they good, but a lot of these guys are like true veterans and have played together and know how to play together. Josh is 20. This is his first FIBA experience. You know, against Germany, he had some possessions late in that game where he was the man. And part of the problem is like, boy, do they not have any sort of like offensive flow toward the end of that game. It was just like, hey, Josh, go create something. And he did two possessions in a row. Went down, drove, had like pretty easy like jump hooks on these guys just because he's bigger and stronger, more skilled than those guys for Germany. And it really, and it worked twice in a row. And then he throws it to Patty Mills for the next offensive possession. Patty Mills drives, loses the ball. And this is a tight game. And I understand like there's no Franz Wagner. They should have rolled Germany, but you you just don't know. Like Dennis Schroeder was really good in that game and this te- this team is 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 very good. This team is a, that you know, these teams are good in this tournament. A lot of them are. And I think Germany is one of them. They're just tough. And so I'm not concerned about Josh. What I've watched does he make mistakes? Does he turn the ball over a little bit too much? I mean, he missed a key free throw at the end of that game. Yeah, there's going to be issues, but he's 20. He's still 20. He turns 21 soon. I just am I just can't find myself to be concerned with him. Now, if he was just like a complete no-show, then I might be concerned, but I also think that we're past that point with Josh. Like he's just like a flat out a, he's just flat out a good basketball player and is going to be good. Now, how good is he going to be? I think that will depend on the shooting. I think it will depend on if the ball handling can get a little bit better and the defense. But the way that he processes the game is definitely a tick above almost everybody. You know, there's a very there's very few people I think that you could say that process the game better than he does. And those guys exist, but there aren't many of them and um, all of them aren't 20. So I just can't bring myself to be concerned about Josh. At from fake Jeff Bell, what will Houston and Clippers final record record be and draft spots be? I mean, I think that we can try to predict a range of outcomes for these teams. If we look at where they were last year and where they were selecting last year, I think that that's like a good place to start. Obviously, Houston selected fourth, but they were set. They were second in the reverse standings. And then you look at where the Clippers were; they were twentieth in the reverse standings. And so I wouldn't. I would put the Clippers anywhere from fifteen to twenty-two. Like there's certainly an outcome where the Clippers are better than they were last year, or there's an outcome where they are worse. You know, and I don't know which, and a lot, and all of it depends on health because that is a very, very talented basketball team. But if they do trade for James Harden, they lose some depth, they lose some toughness, and their their guys aren't healthy. Like it could be fifteen, sixteen ish range, or it could be in the twenties. I think most likely um, in the twenties. I think makes the most sense. And as far as the Rockets go, like, did the Rockets get better with Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks and just, like, the roster just getting a little bit older? Sure. But we have to remember, like, they were second in their reverse standings. And some of that was, like, by design. And some of it was not. (laughs) 
Some of it was not by design. Some of it was just like this is they're just not good. This is not a good basketball team. You know, they've got a new coach, they've got some new players. I still think the range is like five to nine, four to nine is the range that they could be. And some of that would be dependent on health and progress that they make. But I would still think, and that's what is going to be so fascinating. I don't know if Thunder fans have really quite processed this, is that the Thunder are going to have a chance to be a playoff team or play-in team and also have a top 10 pick in the draft. So this next year, I just implore you, like, just have fun. Like, just enjoy this next season because I think the Thunder 1 are going to be a fun team to watch. It's so much fun to watch a team grow and learn and meld together. And you're going to see, we're going to see new players. We're going to see, you know, how does Chet fit with this team? It's going to be great. All the while, we get to also talk about like some of these, you know, prospects, you know, that are in like the 7, 8, 9, 10 range. And they're going to draft somebody there. Like, that is. That's about as exciting as it gets. And it could be as high as like six. You know, if the Thunder got like the six pick, um, you could get this shooting guard from Baylor, Jacoby Walker, you know, somebody like that. Like, I don't, and I don't know a lot of these guys yet. I don't really put time in until they start playing college basketball or like the G League starts, you know. You think you know who these guys are, and then they start playing, and then like the board just like flips on its head. So I'm not digging in, especially when there's not like some, you know, there's there's not an obvious number one pick, and I think this things are going to change quite a bit. You know, Cody Williams, you know, J Dub's brother, could be on the Thunder next year, a six eight kind of multi tool forward. I mean, that sounds pretty cool, and to have some brothers and to have one more Williams on the team, be pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, this is going to be amazing and you know, where those picks land, who knows, they could package those picks and trade up there. There's going to be a lot of like opportunities for just like fun conversations around the thunder, not only with the team, but then with where the draft picks are. So, um, thanks for bringing that up, Jeff Bell. Good job. Uh, okay. At thunder rebuild, if we make a trade for a star next summer in the 2024 off season, in parentheses, he has written, has to happen at some point. That means that Dort is gone, right? Surely Dort plus salary plus picks. <sighs> okay. It is not necessarily true that the Thunder have to make a trade for a star. That is not necessarily true. Because there is a world that exists where Shea stays long-term, Chet becomes a really good player. Giddy becomes a really good player. J-Dub becomes a really good player. And then maybe somebody else pops too. Like, could Kaysen Wallace pop and be a really good player? It's possible. Could Jang pop and become a really good player? Is that possible? Yes. There are a lot of possibilities there. I would try to steer your brain in the direction of them investing in the team that they have rather than trading for players that are already good, that are out there, that available via trade. Now, would it be awesome to get a superstar in here to pair with Shea that is ready to go right now? 
yeah. I mean, there's going to, like, the Giannis talk is going to start getting louder and louder. Like, the Thunder have picks, and they've got some good young players. And, like, could they trade Dort and Giddy and, you know, five first-round picks for Giannis? Like, sure. And then, like, you still have Chet and J-Dub and Shea. And, like, could my mind just, like, just explode with just potential there? Like, absolutely. But I wouldn't ste- I wouldn't try to steer you in that direction necessarily. I think I would s- try to steer people in the direction of like let's just kind of see where this goes first before you jump to let's try to trade for a star. That's what I would say. I don't think a a superstar trade is inevitable. I think we still have a lot to learn. If Chet becomes a superstar. I would guess there's not going to be a superstar trade because I think if he's a superstar, we already know that J-Dub and Giddy are good. And then if you get one other guy to pop, if they do draft Cody Williams or somebody really good in this next draft, what if they're really good? That's the thing is like we are entering, you have to like remove your brain a little bit from what the conventional NBA team has done through the years. Because I don't think that we quite have our head wrapped around the way that the Thunder are managing this situation. It's like there's not really been a team that's been able to do what the Thunder have done and rebuild in this kind of way slowly with intention of everything that's happening and not just hoping that something is just going to plop into their lap. Like a Giannis or whatever. I don't think that's necessarily the direction that they're looking. I think the direction that the Thunder are looking, this is just what I think. I think that they are wanting to build slowly and just like see this thing through. We saw part of what collapsed the Sixers is like they made all these trades and they ended up making like some really bad moves that have really crippled them. And they've still been a good team because they have Joel Embiid. But man, if they didn't do the Tobias Harris trade, like that would have been great. Now, hindsight says the Jimmy Butler trade was a very good trade, but it also says like you should have just kept him over Ben Simmons. And that's all hindsight stuff because there weren't a lot of people that agreed with that sentiment. And like it seems obvious now, but obviously getting Butler would have been the right thing to do. For the Thunder, you know, they have done so well in the draft. So, so well to draft the right guys. You know, they didn't have necessarily, if like Embiid is SGA for us, they didn't necessarily draft. I mean, I guess Ben Simmons would be their giddy. They didn't necessarily have a J-Dub or a Chet. You know, they had, they drafted Nerlens Noel six in the draft. You know, they made a trade to get him. Or maybe it wasn't six, maybe it was later than that. But they, you know, they they drafted players that just didn't end up doing anything for them. And the Thunder have been lucky to this point to not draft a guy high in the draft that, that has done basically nothing for them. And then they get nothing in return in a trade for them. They just have been lucky enough to do that. Markel Fultz, they could have had Jason Tatum. They could have had... I mean, even Lonzo Ball would have been better than Markel Fultz for them. De'Aaron Fox was in that draft. You know, they drafted Ben Simmons, who had turned into a pumpkin. You know, they drafted Jaleel Okafor the year after they drafted Joel Embiid. You know, they had many, many shots at this, and still they somehow become a contender. Okafor, Fultz, 
Ben Simmons, and Ben Simmons was a part of what made them a contender. Like, I realized that. Yeah, Nerlens Noel was sixth in 2013, the year before Embiid. So, like, think about that. Like, Nerlens, who they traded for, Jalil Okafor, Markel Fultz, that's three top six picks that just didn't pan out. Like, the Thunder have been really good to not have that happen to them. Not only not have it happen to them, not have it happen to them three times. So, like, when we look back and try to compare the Thunder team to another team that's rebuilt like this, it hasn't existed. It hasn't happened yet. The closest thing is when the Thunder drafted KD Westbrook-Harden, but they didn't have all the excess picks coming later. The only, like, the only excess pick they had coming later was a trade that when they traded James Harden and got that Raptors pick, and it had some upside, but then it ended up falling... They haven't had this. This hadn't happened before. And so I just would, all that to say, I think you want to see where this goes over the next few years, not necessarily focus on superstar trades and see how this unfolds because I don't think that there's a true historical precedent for what's going to happen over the next few years with the Thunder. And it may not work out, you know, as a top tier level um, of outcome for them. It's possible it doesn't. However, don't you want to see what's going to happen <laughs> instead of trying to flip these things for players that may or may not be perfect for this team, that may or may not get them a championship, that may or may not want to leave? I would just kind of rather just see it through and just see how this like crazy experiment that Sam Presti has going on. Let's just see how it goes. Let's just see how it goes. Now, if like Jokic became available... <laughs> And he was like, yeah, I'll come and re-sign with Oklahoma City. You might just have to end the experiment right away. Um, with players that have dealt with injury, I would just be cautious. Especially players that are nearing 30 or 31. Like, I would be cautious. Uh, okay. At Thunder Up David, how does this team's season outlook change if Chet isn't being respected from three? Let's say he's 33% on a handful of attempts or worse a.k.a. not really spacing. I ask because our ideal scenarios including include Chet being a genuine spacer for Shea, Dub, and Josh. I think, well, here's the thing, is that even if he's not a, floor, a traditional spacer from three, he's going to be a, a vertical spacer to the rim that the Thunder haven't had. So I think he still changes things there because there's not been a finisher that has been as tall with as long of arms and that can finish like he does. So even if he's not a great shooter out of the gate, which might happen, like I don't think that this is like off base at all. I think it's possible that he doesn't shoot it really well from the beginning. Chet brings so much else to the table. Like he's not just like shot blocking Mike Muscala. You know, like the guy can. He's got a lot in his bag as a shot creator and can roll to the hoop and finish like he finished 70% of over 70% at the rim in college. Like he's a good good finisher. So I think that that this question is limiting what Chet Chet's abilities are as a basketball player. So I think would it be great if he could do all of it? Absolutely. Would it maximize this team if he can shoot from 3 and guys have to close out to him? Absolutely. Is it going to be the end of the world if he's not? No. I don't think it changes the season outlook all that much. I think it's like inches and not miles that it changes. 
um, at Louis M. Green, Louis Green. If the Harden trade turned out to be the Kmart rental and Stephen Adams, was it worth it? Even if the Harden trade turned out to be Kmart and Stephen Adams rental, was it worth it? Especially given Harden's postseason uh, franchise sabotage and tendencies. I think that we just have to begin to understand that with Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden, as insanely talented as those three are, they were never going to be on the same team for a really long time. However, I do think that just you, if you had, in hindsight, you just push, you push it out one more year. And maybe it blows up in your face. I don't know. I can't sit here and tell you that I know exactly how it would have played out had they just kept Harden and tried to figure out figure it out a restricted free agency and match and then maybe trade him then. However, I would have just liked to see it through. Also, we also have to recognize that the team was the very best version of themselves that next year as far as a regular season team, as far as point differential goes, that next year with Kevin Martin. And the way they played that season was they were unbelievable, and they just got unlucky with a Westbrook injury. And so, you know, if Westbrook doesn't get hurt and they go on to win the title in 2013, like how much do we even talk about it? Like, I don't know. I don't know. But was it worth it? I still think hindsight says you you wait because that is not the that is not a fair return for James Harden. And it was not a good trade. Because James Harden, even though he has all these issues and he's causing so many problems down the road in his career, he is still a Hall of Famer, a most valuable player a guy that was a top-tier, a top-five player in the league. So I would have rather figured it out because I think he would have gained value in that season and then maybe you could have traded him. Now, you could argue that maybe he, maybe the fat suit shows up even sooner. I doubt that it would because he's about to get paid. Um, but either way... I just think it was never going to work out um, for Harden, Westbrook, and KD to be on the same team for a long, long time, which is uh, a bummer and reality. Uh, at Snake Shooting, any player that you've watched in FIBA that you think might be a good addition to the Thunder or just the NBA in general? Uh, I am not. I am really kind of watching to see how these Thunder guys perform. To be honest, I'm not sitting down and evaluating FIBA in that depth, uh, mostly because it's August and I've got. I do have a lot of other things going on, like work wise, that um, are on the periphery of what we're doing. Um, some exciting stuff, honestly, for the Athletic NBA show. But um, I wish I could say I, I had a good answer for this, but I don't. But um, I'll try to I'll try to keep that in mind, and if I think of anybody, I'll mention it on some future pods. So, oh no, I just clicked off of my questions. Hold on, but yeah, uh, I mostly just want to see like how is Josh performing, how is Shea performing. You know, Ludort DMP was kind of different, um, but I think it's interesting. You know, I think all of this is really interesting. Uh, let's see. At SJ underscore blotcher, blocker. What are your thoughts on SI's piece on Giannis trade to OKC? 
I mean, I kind of gave my thoughts on that already. I don't think it's necessarily realistic, even though the Thunder do have the assets. Um, at its underscore day day, how much would Giddy's experience as the guy on Team Australia affect the next season coming up and the trajectory of his career? Do you expect Giddy to make a bigger jump in his third year? Is there a chance of MIP? There's a chance, certainly, that he could be the most improved player. Yes, I do think that there's a chance. I do think he's going to make a leap. Yes, I do think he's going to get better. Absolutely. Guys of his caliber that are 20 years old, that are going into year three, typically get better. That's how it goes. Does it statistically look a ton better than 16, 8, and 6? It could, but you have to also realize that J-Dub is going to come back better. Shea, I think, will come back better still. Chet is going to come in and take possessions, shots, rebounds, blocks. He's going to eat up a lot of those statistics. There's only so much to go around. So could he be better and have about the same stat line? Yes. Is it possible that he just ratchets it up like to such a level that he's 28 and 5? Also possible. Chance at MIP is probably lower. That usually goes to somebody that makes like a big statistical jump that has like just a lot more opportunities like Larry Markkinen last year. But I do think that we often underrate Giddy and his potential. So I will say there's definitely a chance of MIP with him, but I wouldn't put him in like the top five going into the season or anything like that. At Mike Ashton, uh, moved in with my basketball-loving girlfriend. What Thunder moment should we have as a poster? Mm. Okay, that's a good question. If you have any ideas in the chat, let me know. What Thunder moment? So it's, you know, you think about like the 2016 run. There's like the one where Westbrook is like high five and somebody during the Warriors game. Like that's a great moment, but it also has like a tinge of sadness attached to it because of the way that series um, broke out. So I wouldn't necessarily have that. I mean, you could just have like like a still frame of just like Giddy and, and Shay and J-Dub, where they're just kind of walking up the court together. Uh, Hoopstock69 says modern era Dort game winner on the floor. Like that's a fun one where he's just in this empty gym. Yeah, Chatham says the the Westbrook MVP moment in Denver would be pretty cool because that was such an interesting game because if you remember, like, the Denver crowd was cheering for Westbrook. Um, that, was, that was such a wild experience watching that game because the Denver crowd was, like, so they knew the moment, didn't really care that much what happened to Denver, knew the moment, and cheered when Westbrook hit the game winner. That would be a really interesting one. Uh, Billy Martin says LeBron hitting his record over Kenrich. <laughs> uh, that's a fun one, too. That game was fun. The context of that game, like knowing that LeBron became the all-time leader um, in points scored, and then the Thunder going on to win, like that's actually like, I understand like you're joking, but I think it also is kind of a fun idea, too. 
Um, yeah. Anyways, oh yeah, Chathamus like it knocked them out of the playoffs. Yeah, there's like so much like context within that game that is just wild, just so so wild. But those are some good examples. You can hit up Mike if you have any other ideas at Mike Ash A S H T zero N. So hit him up. Uh, Russell pointing at the Sixers fan that's flipping him the bird. Yeah, that's another good one. Hoopstock. Uh, at Zach Deeg, who will end up playing the most minutes this year and the most minutes off the bench? And who gets the most sixth-man type of minutes? I think uh, Mitzic, Micic, however you want to say it, is probably the guy that I think plays off the bench the most. And then who plays the most minutes overall? You know, I think like Giddy is going to have a chance at that. I think J Dub with his versatility is going to have a chance. A lot of that is just dependent on health and who misses games and who doesn't. So you look back at last year for total minutes played, it was still Shea Gilgis Alexander who played the most minutes on the team. He only played 68 games, only. He played 68 games, um, 2,400 minutes. Giddy with 23. Uh, J Dub with twenty two hundred, Dort with twenty two hundred, and then like and then it just drops off a cliff to Isaiah Joe at thirteen hundred minutes. So, I think it's probably Shea, Giddy, J Dub, or Dort are probably the ones that that will have a chance at that. And then I think like Mitchich and Isaiah Joe and like those kind of guys who can play with multiple lineups. Uh, maybe Case and Wallace could be one of those guys too. So, um, yeah, I would say those are the ones um, that will have the best chance. Let's see. I'm going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll we're just going to try to rapid fire through the rest of these. Um, we'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. When it's time for me to find a job, I went right to LinkedIn Jobs. They helped me find the right employer, and it was, man, very, very easy process. 
LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash dunk. That's linkedin.com slash dunk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And we're back after that quick break. At 31 Savage wants to know who makes the East and West finals this year. Uh, a tough question. The league is in a great place where that is a mystery. I don't think that Miami would have been a team that people would have considered last year um, before the season. So that's very interesting. Um, in the East, I think Boston is just an easy one to pick for me. I just think that they've got a ton of talent. Uh, I, I just generally like what they do. And then, I mean, Milwaukee, probably Boston-Milwaukee is like probably the easiest one to go to. I think that Cleveland is going to be better, and they're going to have a chance at it. I think that Miami, obviously, is going to have a chance at it, especially when they get Dame. So, yeah, I would say that those are the teams, those are the four teams that I would, like, off the top of my head that I would consider. And then in the West, Denver is clearly a notch above everybody else. I think Phoenix is going to have a chance if they're healthy. I think the Clippers are going to have a chance if they're healthy. I think the Warriors are going to have a chance if they're healthy. Um, but I will go ahead and just predict uh, Nuggets... Warriors in the conference finals for the West. Boring answers. Boring. Boring job, Andrew. Uh, okay, next at JLow2836, if you could create a player that fits best with this roster, what type of player and a role that you'd want them to play, who is moving to the bench? I would love to have... A defensive-minded shooting forward on this team that can switch and kind of be a Swiss Army knife next to Chet, and then you just slide everybody up. And that, to me, is the kind of player that I would want. Um, and I would put Dort to the bench. So you just have like this like crazy defender at the four that can also shoot it from deep and can pass. So that's a, that sounds like a really great player. That sounds like an all-NBA player added to the team. So um, Miguel Davila says, Mikael Bridges. Uh, Hoopsock69 says, a Trey Murphy type. Sure. Yeah, that'd be cool. That would be cool. But yeah, that kind of player. And then your guards are just massive. And the Thunder are going to be tough to deal with because of that. Uh at Austin underscore revived over under five free throws, 
free throw attempts for Giddy this season, considering he's been doing better in FIBA with that. I think five is is a fair number to ask. And it's also, I will probably still say under. I mean, he was at two. No, that's per, even per 36 minutes, two. He was at 1.9 last year, 1.9. I think if he was at three, three and a half, encroaching on four, I think that's a, probably a more fair number. I would say under five. At Dortpoi, who do you think um, has a better young core, the Pistons, the Magic, or the Rockets? That's a good question. I probably lean Pistons just because I believe in Cade the most out of anybody in that group, followed by Orlando with Paolo Boncaro, and then the Rockets. I think they all have a lot of talent. At the end of the day, what matters the most is do you have the high-end talent? And I think the guy that has the most superstar potential of that entire group that has a chance to be as good as a guy like Shea is Cade Cunningham. Um, so, yes, there's my answer. At that boy underscore McCoy, uh, how far into the season would you y'all guess this new lineup with Chet in the mix starts to click? I'd give it a couple months to, like, click, but it could happen quickly. I think that they play a style of basketball that is uh, good for everybody. And so it could happen faster, but I would give it... I give it 20, 25 games before we really start to evaluate. At Red Sox Rebert, what current player has the potential to be a Steven Adams level of likability or hilarious personality? So on this Thunder team, one, Steven Adams is one of one. Like there's nobody like that guy in the entire world. I'm convinced. As far as like funny goes... Wiggins is pretty funny and has a chance. J-Dub is pretty funny and has a chance to be that kind of level of funny. But I just don't know if he can actually reach the the level of weird, funny personality that Steven Adams is. Um, I don't know Jack White at all. Um, everybody else is not that guy. So... Yeah, I, I just don't know that there's a real true candidate for that. I don't think there is. But I'll keep you posted, Tyler. At Evan ETM, who on the team has the widest range of realistic point-per-game outcomes this season? Good question. Let's look at last year as a guide. Jay... J-Dub had 14 points per game last year. Could he be 15 to 22 points per game as a range? Yes. Um, Go lower. Trey Mann could be 0 to 12 points per game. I just don't think he's going to play that much. Um, I don't know. It's probably J-Dub has like the widest range because I do think that there's a chance that he comes and he's just averaging 15, but he's just stepping it up in every other way. But he could also come back and average 22 
and be like, holy smokes, like there's the Thunder second star in J-Dub. So at Brandon M6295, when will Slam and Jam be back to crying faces? Our Saturdays are getting so boring. It will be back. I can try to give as much context for this as possible. So we haven't done a Slam and Jam in a long time. Was the draft the last one that we did? That's possible. Um, it's been a long time. So we had the LeBron um, doc that we did, and that even got pushed back more because of the Bronny James stuff. And so like that lasted a lot longer than we thought it would. And so I'm managing like that entire feed for the Athletic NBA show, and we just have had a, a lot of things pop up. Um, shout out to Mike Vorkanoff, who's recorded some really fun shows that have taken the place of that. We had Seth Partnow to record a podcast that took the place of it one week. Um, there's just a lot going on there, and honestly, there's some, there's just not a ton to talk about. And so if somebody has a good idea, um, I typically will yield to somebody who has like a very solid idea and just like give us a little bit more breathing room before the season starts just so we're like ready to roll so yeah i mean we're still in august we still have time before the season starts but we'll have slam and jams back and then we'll be rolling throughout the entire season so don't worry at all um let's see at mike in the hut if moose muscala was let go by boston would you look to bring him back? He's with the Wizards now. And if so, would you let who would you let go of the roster? I don't think I would. I love Moose. Uh, come back as, as an assistant coach, Moose. At Shay underscore step, follow up from Frypod. Would you prefer Giddy, one, shooting 36% from three on six attempts, but only three free throws, or shooting 33% on three to four attempts, but averages six free throws? I I suppose I would rather have the six free throws. That I mean, that would really take him up a notch, and he's got to make them, but I guess that. I guess that one. 33 to 36%, is it a gap? Sure. But is, it, is 36% really going to make teams guard him? I'm not for sure. Um, I think of a card. Why wave guys before giving them a chance in camp, especially Garuba? I get they probably... Would get waived anyways, but the what's the harm in giving them a look? I I don't have a ton of knowledge as to the exact process and why they did this, but I do think that they wanted Lindy Waters in camp. Obviously, they wanted Olivier Saar in camp, and that the other two, Garuba and Ty Ty Washington, uh, there are many teams, not just the Thunder, not just the Hawks, not just the Rockets that have decided they aren't NBA players. And maybe they'll get a chance somewhere else. But I think the Thunder probably, ha they have obviously have a higher opinion of the guys that they signed on their two ways than those guys. And they also, I think it's fair to give them a chance somewhere else. So I wouldn't worry about it at all. At Daniel 6 Russell, what do you think of an SGA, Giddy, J-Dub, Poku, Chet lineup? Uh, love it. Think it's cool. At Talking underscore Thunder, my wife wants to know if Poku packs are going to make the Rebuild Hall of Fame. Oh, great question. I, uh, I have a Poku pack sitting in here in my office. It's, uh, it's beautiful. It's a great idea. I will talk. We will talk about that. Um, 
Shout out, shout out to your wife for bringing it up. At underscore Danny Klein, who amongst the down to dunk fellas is or was the best basketball player? It's probably Jay, just because Jay's huge and pretty skilled and pretty athletic. Uh, at Jazz at last, when is Slam and Jam coming back? I think we'll be back this Saturday. So tune in for that on the Athletic NBA Show podcast feed. If you're not subscribed to that, please subscribe to it. We're pumping out great content. There's a hilarious podcast that dropped today that has Fred Katz talking about Mitchell Robinson um, making jokes about the D train. And it's really funny. And it's a really fun podcast. So please go listen to that. It's Jared Weiss and Fred Katz. Um, I produced that and it's hilarious. Um, So yeah. Uh, okay, let me see if there's anything else in the chat that we need to get to. If you got last-minute questions, I'm about to go get some lunch. Uh, I don't see anything. All right, hope you guys have an awesome rest of your Monday, and we will talk to you guys again on Wednesday.